You are Locked On Marlins, your daily podcast on the Miami Marlins, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Marlins podcast, your go-to daily podcast on all things Miami Marlins. As always, I'm your host, Arm Layton. I'm a longtime Marlins writer as well as a prospect writer and analyst. And in today's episode, we're going to recap now the Marlins' third win in a row and look forward now to the next two games of this Brave series and then some more friendly games on the horizon for this team. Big win yesterday. I know that it's super early in the season, but you got to set the tone, especially in a tough division like the Marlins are in right now in the NL East, which is just a behemoth, but it's not looking as strong out of the gate. Do I think that that means that NL East isn't going to be good? Of course not. But at the end of the day, you play the same amount, the set amount of games against each division opponent, and that's going to be the consistent number. So whatever record you're going to put up and whether you get those wins earlier in the season or later in the season against the division foe, you're going to have to play that amount of games against them. So each win you can squeak out against a team like the Braves is one less game you got to worry about, and you can shift your focus to, like I said, this division is going to be one outside of the division unless somebody just absolutely dominates everybody else, which isn't going to happen. I see everybody kind of beating up on each other, which is what we've kind of seen out of the gate already, which is why no one's really breaking free in this division. There's already been a lot of matchups between each ball club in this division, and as a result, you're seeing a pretty muddled standings right now in the NL East and across the league, and that's why I see this Marlins team and the road trip that they have after this Braves series which now they've already guaranteed split, which I said was huge. That's something they really needed to do was split this one. And I guess I said it with the Cardinals where I thought that was a favorable matchup pitching wise throughout the series. It turned out that it didn't really work in their favor. I thought this was favorable as well. I know Huascari Noah was fantastic, but you had Sandy going against him. And then Pablo, I thought was an advantage against Freed. Technically, it still was. Freed was terrible. Pablo was not good. And I'll get into that in a moment. But when we look at the division now, I mean, and there's a difference in game played and it's a little bit wacky right now but you look at the Braves at four and seven they're gonna be fine right but like every game that you can get out of the way that you have on your slate against the Braves this season before they heat up is a bonus so get your wins while you can get them and then take advantage of the other ball games the Nationals at two and six they're not good that's the only team where I look at them I'm like okay they're not good they're going to really need to get things going offensively and I just don't see it happening and they have a lot weighing on the shoulders of Scherzer and Strasburg which is not the best situation there with Strasburg's health and Scherzer's age but when we look at the Mets I mean they're going to be tough the fact that they're four and three without uh, really getting the offense going at all is is not unsurprising I mean they have such good pitching and then the Phillies I mean the Phillies I thought people were more harsh on the Phillies than the Nationals and it didn't make sense to me because the Phillies are a much better ball club and they're not bad they're going to be tough I, I really think that it could be a four-man race here uh, for the division with the Nationals lacking in the back and that's what it's looking like I mean it's early but here's the thing the Marlins are four and six the Braves are four and seven and then you have the Phillies at six and five Mets at four and three Nationals at two and six. Nationals should be worried. That's a whole different case. But for the Marlins here, you're four and six, and you've been playing pretty bad baseball. Your bullpen has not been good. Your offense up until yesterday, minus the one game against the Rays as well, 
It's been terrible. The offense has been terrible. You also opened up your season against the AL champions in the Rays, then the most improved team in baseball that was already pretty solid in the Mets, and then you have the Braves who are off to a slow start, but also a team that was one game away from the World Series. And then the Cardinals, who were a playoff team as well last year, and they added Nolan Arenado. So you start against essentially four playoff teams to start your season off. And I know the Mets didn't make the playoffs last year, but you take a team that was decent last year and add Francisco Lindor, James McCann, and all the pieces that they had. Obviously, this is a team that is a legitimate playoff threat and in Vegas's eyes, the favorite to win the division. So the Marlins started off with a brutally difficult schedule and they also were playing terribly. Yet they're four and six. And you could say, oh, yeah, and they were, you know, and I brought this up too. Like they were a couple blown saves away from being six and four. You could play that game too, but, you know, the Marlins also got really lucky on that Albies hit. That should have been a grand slam off of Anthony Bass. And that was after I had said that two blown save thing. So I was like, okay, it kind of evens out. That's baseball. Regardless, really coming out four and six through those first 10 games is not that bad especially given the fact that Sixto Sanchez wasn't ready and is hurt and the fact that the Marlins are still feeling out the bullpen, the offense has struggled. Like there was a lot of moving parts and they're treading water just fine and the schedule is going to get a lot softer. I, Like I said, and I said this earlier in the last episode, which by the way, a quick little disclaimer, I accidentally posted the episode on the wrong, on the wrong account and that's why yesterday's episode came out so late last night, so I apologize about that. But there, most of the stuff that I talked about in there was not really... Uh, didn't have a short shelf life. It was mostly recapping some stuff. So I figured it was still relevant, but that was my mistake. And I'm usually going to try to get these episodes out at like 1 p.m. the day of the ball game and a little bit earlier if there's an afternoon game. But as I said in the last episode, I could see this team by the end of April or at least mid-May being over 500. And that's why you can't panic too much early on. There was very valid reason to be frustrated. And I still think there's some valid reasons to be frustrated, especially when we talk about the catching situation. And I feel like I'm going crazy and just driving you crazy by talking about the catching situation so much. But how do I not talk about it? That's the thing. It's really hard to talk about anything else right now when the blatantly most glaring hole on the team is the catcher position defensively, offensively, in any way you can imagine, it is the most glaring issue for this ball club. So the Marlins are going to need to address that. I think they know that. I think they're probably addressing it as I speak right now. And if they're not, they are out of their minds. And that's why I'm not going to really beat a dead horse at this point. If I don't hear anything and we don't see anything in a week or two of the Marlins not even exploring options, then you know that's where we can start to get pretty upset. But I think every single game you move forward here without a new catcher or a contingency plan is, is a mistake. It's that bad right now. The amazing thing too, though, is that the catching situation kind of factors into this Marlin start that they've been able to defy some of these struggles to climb back into being close to 500 if they can win today or even just win a few more ball games, go over 500 on the road trip coming up, that they will, I guess they're already on the road trip, but the West Coast trip, and then it starts to be a little bit more traveling, which will be a little bit of a challenge, but the schedule will be a lot softer. So considering the catching struggles on top of all the other things I mentioned, it's pretty impressive that they've been able to still squeak out some ball games here and put up 14 runs and keep teams in check. And I've been really impressed the last couple ball games, the last three ball games, to be honest, where this team has just looked really good and they can still upgrade quite easily. So I will recap a little bit of this Braves-Marlins game that was a barn burner. I thought it was so much fun to watch and it was cool to see the Marlins offense kind of match the Braves output. And also 
When the Marlins win ball games where Pablo Lopez or Sandy Alcantara don't pitch great, that is a huge bonus because you know what? They are going to pitch great a larger portion of the time than they are not going to pitch great. So to win those ball games is like you're playing with the house's money. So great win by the Marlins, especially with Pablo just tending to struggle against the Braves. And I'll talk about that a bit as well before I get into the next segment. A reminder that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar has 18 delicious flavors and there are so many to choose from you got caramel brownie cookies and cream mint brownie salted caramel orange toffee almond i can go on and on and on they're all covered in 100 chocolate soft and easy to chew and they are great for the health conscious guy or girl whether you're looking to lose or maintain weight while still indulging in a delicious treat built bar is perfect for you because they are high in protein low in calories low in sugar low in carbs and low in fat and everything you want out of a protein bar. If you go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15, that's LOCKED15, you'll get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That's LOCKED15 for 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. So let's dive into this fun, fun ball game for the Marlins. Adam Duvall, and this is not an exaggeration, one of the best offensive performances in Marlins history. (laughs) Like really one of the best offensive performances we've seen. And the Adam Duvall phenomenon at Truist Park is very fascinating. Like, I want to get super amped on Adam Duvall, and I know he's as streaky of a hitter as you're going to find. Like, you're going to ride the wave where he's hitting a home run every at-bat, and then you're going to ride the wave where he's striking out almost every at-bat. And that's why it's good to have the extra outfielder where when he's struggling, when he's slumping, you can take him out of the lineup and you can plug in Cooper or Dickerson or whatever you want to do. Right now, obviously, you are not taking him out of the lineup. I, I would I would want him to hit every time if he could. I mean, he is crazy. But at Truist Park, that's the thing. He's extra good. I don't know what it is. I don't know why he sees the ball so well there. But he is extra good at Truist Park. You look at the numbers last year even in 28 games. And I know it's not a huge sample size. And I know he had a great year last year. So, of course, his numbers are going to be good at home. But when you look at him on the road... He wasn't that good on the road. Like, that's the wild thing, is he wasn't really that good on the road. He was fantastic at Truist Park. Last year, Adam Duvall hit 287, 364, 575 slash line with seven home runs in 23 games at Truist Park. On the road, which was 24 games, 194, 245, 495 slash line. He did have nine home runs. So I will say, I mean, he matched the home run total or actually beat the home run total by two in one more game. But like, why is there almost a 100 point difference in your batting average on the road versus at home? I just don't really know what the difference is here for him. I mean, he had some bad luck, 175 BABIP, which is insane on the road and then at home a 310 VABIP, which is also very high. So there's maybe just some flukiness there, but then you double down here, and in two ball games, he's hit three home runs, and it's just raking, raking at Truist Park. So I don't know. I, I would love to ask him what in the world is going on. I'm not going to question it because the Marlins are going to play quite a few games at Truist Park, so that's all good stuff. And every time the Marlins play at Truist Park, Adam Duvall should be hitting right in the middle of the lineup, smack in the middle, should be hitting cleanup because clearly there is something going on here. And uh, I love it. I'm here for it. I mean, I hope that he can kind of get this as a spark plug to going into the next series and going into the rest of the season. But the problem is that 
he does hit the home runs on the road. He did hit the home runs on the road last year, but he also did not hit nearly as consistently. So it will be interesting. It will definitely be interesting to see how that story develops this year. If not, then I guess like Truist Park is going to be Adam Duvall's course field. And that will be a fun thing to watch because the Marlins don't actually go back to Truist Park for a little bit. I don't think after the series, they won't be back there until, if I remember correctly, they won't be back there until July. So it's going to be a bit of time before Adam Duvall can put on a show at Truist Park again. I believe it's July 2nd. So that should be fun to follow. But you know what? I'll take the offensive output right now. And hopefully, like I said, it will translate into the road games that the Marlins have as well. And we know he has that kind of power to impact the game. And he still does. Even when he hits 200, he's going to hit a ton of home runs. And that is a good addition to have to the lineup. When we look at the rest of the lineup, it was really good to see Miguel Rojas break out a little bit here and go three for six. And guess what? Guess what? Miguel Rojas goes in the leadoff spot. And he rakes. And I said in the last episode, I said this yesterday, and I really wish that I got that episode out before uh, the game, which I did, but I put it on the wrong freaking channel, and that was my fault. But I was talking about how Dickerson is looking better, right? Like, he looks a lot better this year, and I think that he's making progress. But the leadoff spot is not where he needs to be, and Rojas needs to be in that leadoff spot. He walks a ton. He is a barrel-up guy, and I just think he thrives in that leadoff spot. It just fits his attitude. It fits his approach. It fits his mold, and he sets the tone for the rest of the lineup really well. Miggy Rowe needs to stay in that leadoff spot, whether Dickerson's in the lineup or not. I know Dickerson wasn't in the lineup, so that was why we saw Miggy Rowe in the leadoff spot, but I had said in yesterday's episode before the lineup was out that they should flip-flop in the order. Have the lefty bat at the bottom seven or six or seven in the order, and then have Miggy Rowe at the top. It just it makes way more sense. I know that Mattingly wants to have a lefty at the top of the order to mix things up, but you know what? You know what's better than that? A guy that walks more, gets on base more, and is more comfortable hitting in that spot. Dickerson in his career is not really as good or not as productive in that leadoff spot. It's a no-brainer, and I hope that yesterday was a bit of a sign for this Marlins, or for Don Mattingly, essentially, and whoever else factors into making the lineups that Miguel Rojas needs to be in the leadoff spot, and it's just a no-brainer in my opinion. Looking at the lineup all the way through, I mean, everybody got in on the hit parade. It was great to see Brian Anderson finally have some hits translate as well. He's going to start get, to get going here, and this is perfect timing. Like I said, the Marlins were able to squeak out a couple wins with the offense being terrible. They even were able to win yesterday with Garrett Cooper only picking up one of the hits. The Marlins had 17 hits, and Garrett Cooper only had one of them, and that's probably a good thing. That's probably a good thing because... Garrett Cooper is going to get his. He's going to be able to be productive. I mean, he was good the game before and was a big part of the Marlins' victory, and that's great. I mean, if the Marlins are putting up runs, I know that Duvall put up seven of them, essentially himself, but still, the rest of the lineup was productive. You had Rojas with three hits, Marte with two hits, and also, what Marte is doing right now, quietly, he is hitting really well. So is Aguilar. Both those guys are hitting 333 and 345, respectively. They're not getting into as much power just yet, but I don't really care. They are hitting, they're getting on base, and they're doing what they need to do. B.A., as he starts to heat up here, I think he's going to heat up. The power starts coming into the equation. I love the birdie uh, jazz platoon that I had said I wanted earlier in the season, or before the season started, so I'm I'm loving it. But yeah, I'd like to see jazz start to hit against lefties a little bit, but why? You know, when you have a guy with a tough curveball like Freed, although he has been really bad lately, 
you know, go with Birdie. Birdie's going to be a pest against those kind of guys, and Birdie is a good balance to what you have going with Jazz, and I, I like the, the combination that they have there. Essentially, everybody, everybody one through nine in the lineup yesterday got a hit, including Pablo Lopez, except for Jorge Alfaro. And I think that kind of speaks volumes there. I mean, 0 for 5, 3Ks, not good behind the dish, like really bad behind the dish. And that's the obvious upgrade here. Like you can take that deficit in your lineup here because right now you have two pitchers at the bottom of the order. And even if you add a Lucroy, huge addition. But imagine if you add a Wilson Contreras, how dynamic this offense becomes. You really don't have a hole in your offense if you have Wilson Contreras now in the fold there. Do you have any absolute superstars? No, but you have a really consistent lineup full of dudes that can hit 20 home runs plus if they get it going. Like you look through the lineup besides Rojas. I don't think Rojas could do that, but Marte, he could easily hit, and he has done it multiple times throughout his career. Aguilar, that, that's a joke. He could easily hit 20. Cooper will hit 20. Duvall will hit 20. Brian Anderson, I'd be shocked if he didn't. Like going through the whole lineup, it's pretty expected that a majority of it could hit 20-plus home runs, and then Contreras would be that guy too. Jazz, the Jazz birdie platoon should be able to get to 15 or 20. It's more dependent on Jazz. I don't think birdie's going to hit more than four or five homers in the season, but still, I mean, that's a lot more home runs than we typically see from this ball club, and you could just get such an offensive jolt. Like, it's such a direct plug into your team to make your team so much better right away, and that's just, to me, just such a no-brainer. And don't wait until it just gets way too bad and way too painful for your team. So I want to talk a little bit about Pablo Lopez and then Nick Neidert's tough matchup today against the Braves and Charlie Morton in just a moment. Before I get to that, a quick message from betonline.ag which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We've got baseball season NBA and NHL all in full swing, but BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device and use the promo code LOCKEDON. That's one word, LOCKEDON, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. So let's recap this Marlins game from the pitching side and then look ahead at this schedule that they have that I keep talking about that's relatively favorable. And then a little bit about the Neidert Morton matchup that I think could be a very, very tough one for Nick Neidert. I'm a little bit nervous ahead of tonight's game for him, but we'll see. He held his own against a good Mets lineup, but this is a team that does like righties, as we've seen. They are able to, you know, get to hitters or get to pitchers, excuse me, pretty quickly and ambush them, which is a little bit of what happened to Pablo Lopez last night. So in regards to Pablo, I didn't really think he was that bad. I mean, the final stat line, four innings, nine hits, six runs, one walk, six Ks. This Braves lineup is one of the best in baseball, and they've seen a lot of Pablo in the last I guess half a season, you could call it, because it was a 60-game season last year, and now it's a start this year. We're only one start in against the Braves for Pablo, and it's only his third start of the season. So they've seen a lot of him. A lot of Pablo's last 12, 14 starts have been against the Braves, and the Braves are pretty comfortable with knowing what to expect, at least, from Pablo as a fastball changeup guy that they are just attacking the lower half. You saw it with the pitch that Ozuna hit out. What Ozuna hit out was a good pitch. 
It was an 88 mile per hour changeup at the bottom, bottom of the zone, like borderline strike bottom of the zone. I went back and I watched a lot of the hard hit balls off of Pablo. That was a pitch, 1-1 count, man on second base. So first base is open, one out, it's the first inning. You're not going to just pitch around Ozuna. It's still a really good lineup after him. He threw a changeup that was bottom of the zone, and Ozuna was sitting change and drove it straight out to center field. There's not a lot of hitters that can do that. There's not a lot of hitters that are going to hit a changeup located well at the bottom of the zone straight out to center field straight away. That is just a great swing on a good pitch, and you tip your cap. That's really what that was. So two runs right off the bat, no pun intended, were literally just you tip your cap. That's a pitch that you know should not be hit out, but Marcelo Zuna has just brute man strength and just put out a really good pitch and was sitting on the right pitch. So it's a little bit of sequencing, right? Like the next time Pablo, and I'm sure this will be in his mind, the next time Pablo faces the Braves, I guarantee that he will be pitching a lot differently sequence-wise than we've seen him. And he might go more fastball heavy. He might break out the curveball more than we normally see it. I'm sure that he's going to try everything he can to kind of keep the Braves out of kilter and a little bit uncomfortable after they kind of got used to what to expect from him. Then you look at the Albies home run. And the Albies home run was another one that I thought it was a good pitch. He tried to go inside with a fastball 95 on the inner half, and Albies just beat him to the spot. And it wasn't like Albies barreled it, barreled it. Like, he hit it 360. It got in on his hands a little bit. Albies has ridiculous bat speed, and he beat him to the spot. And he hit the 360-foot home run to right field. Again, it wasn't really a bad pitch. It wasn't like he missed. It wasn't like he fell behind and had to float one over. It was just a good swing. So two really good swings from two really good hitters that beat him to the spot. And that guessed right. That's really it. I'm not really worried about it. I don't know if anybody else is either, but I just wanted to kind of look at those two home runs. Those are three runs right there. If he didn't get off to that start, you figure, yeah, he gave up a run in the third and two in the fourth, but that's a totally different start if you don't give up two home runs to start the ball game off. You know, I think Pablo would have settled in a bit more and we would have seen maybe a different start, but even regardless, if he goes three three runs over five innings, let's say, that's a fine start. No one's really even saying, oh man, what happened to Pablo that start? It's more so just he held his own against a really good Braves lineup. But I mean, they got back to him in the third with a single to center and that scored Acuna. But Acuna also was out by a mile if Alfaro could catch that ball. It was a short hop a little bit, but all Alfaro had to do was just catch that ball and he was out by a mile at home plate. So that was a run that really probably shouldn't have even been charged to Lopez. It was a great job getting the ball in by my man Marte in center, and that really should have been an out at home. Regardless, that run didn't end up mattering much. John Curtis came in first in relief and had his best outing as a Marlin. Ending in two-thirds, one hit, punches out two, looked much stronger. The velo was up a bit, slider looked good. Curtis, that would be a big bonus to this bullpen, which I'm expecting Curtis to be solid, and he's starting to look like the guy that he looked like with the Rays. So that is a big bonus for this team, too, if they can get something out of Curtis. Detweiler, again, looking pretty tough on lefties with that slider, comes in, makes three pitches, strikes out the guy he needs to get, and then that's it. Bass, living on the edge with Bass, but he does go and pitch a scoreless inning. Still gave up some pretty loud contact, but we lived on the edge. He got out of it. Same thing with Pop, living on the edge a little bit, but he pitches a scoreless inning. Paul Campbell, uh, a little bit disappointing with what we saw from Campbell. Um, You know, if, if he turns in a few more outings like that, we could see a situation where the Marlins may err to 
use that roster spot elsewhere. I think there's other guys in this bullpen I would axe before I would cut Paul Campbell because obviously you lose Paul Campbell if you remove him from the active roster. I would rather move Simber before uh, we just say Paul Campbell's not ready yet. Remember, he's a Rule 5 guy that is still adjusting a little bit. And I have more hope that Paul Campbell has a higher ceiling than an Adam Simber. So I would probably cut ties with Adam Simber before if we're looking for an Anthony Bender spot in this bullpen. But Overall, you know, it's 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 a little bit early to start worrying about Paul Campbell, but it is worth watching. Like he needs to put together a good outing or two in between here, or else that could be something that is worth watching. Where the Marlins may end up just saying, okay, maybe Campbell just doesn't totally have it. I like Campbell as a pitcher, and I think he's going to settle in. It's a different role for him. It's a little bit different just coming out of the bullpen, and we'll see. I mean, again, it's it's a really tough lineup to just come in at your second or third outing in your career and be able to just carve guys up and the first outing of his career was a really uncomfortable one as well so we'll see how Campbell looks moving forward overall the pitching could have been better I mean you gave up eight runs but it's the Braves when you put up this many runs you're kind of pitching with a lead and you're not going to pitch as carefully just attack hitters and not be too worried about a couple runs coming across and that's kind of what happened with the fish though in the fourth inning it did get a little bit close as it got back to 8-6 but then the Marlins ran away with it made it 14-6 and then in the ninth that's where a few runs were pushed across so still the Marlins seemed to be in control majority of the ball game and that was great to see the Marlins already at worst split this series and now they're playing with the house's money if you go on the road in worst case scenario you split with the Braves that's a win, but now they have a chance to take this series over the next two ball games, which is what I'm going to jump into next here. You got Nick Neidert versus Charlie Morton. It's going to be a tough matchup for Neidert. Fastball changeup guy. The Braves just took advantage of a fastball changeup guy in Pablo Lopez, and Nick Neidert's a little bit similar with how he is. I mean, he likes to go inside with the fastball that runs in on righty's hands, and then the changeup to change the eye level. That's how Pablo has his success too. I'm personally not expecting a great start from Nider today, and the reason why I'm saying that is just because it's not a great matchup for him in his second start. We saw him already being a little bit, or trying to be a little bit too careful in that start against the Mets, walking five. It's not a matter of bad command for him. It was a matter of just trying to be too careful. I could see him trying to be a little bit too careful against the Braves, getting into some unfortunate hitters counts and then that's where the Braves are going to make you pay guys like Ozuna guys like Freeman and Acuna when they're ahead in the count you're in big big trouble and I could just see Neidert maybe being a little bit too careful and falling behind you never know and I mean if the Marlins can put up 10 runs 14 runs even again then they will have a great shot to win the ball game I don't think that's any uh, in-depth analysis there but assuming that the offense Uh, regresses to the mean a little bit here, then there's a good chance that the Marlins will have to fight for this one. And Neider, it's going to have to turn in a pretty good start as Charlie Morton has looked really good through his first two starts this season, especially in his last one against the Phillies, goes six innings, four hits, one run. He's finally fully healthy. He was not really 100% last year. Now he's fully healthy, and he looks really strong. I wanted Charlie Morton on the Marlins, if you remember. I thought he would have been a great addition to kind of anchor this staff, and I think he's got a ton in the tank still. 37 years old, but he's still throwing gas. He's still making pitches, and he's going to be tough. He's going to be really tough for the Marlins today, especially after a softer throwing curveball throwing lefty now more of a power pitcher in Morton and it's going to be a really interesting matchup for the Marlins. Neidert's going to have to try to match them but I think it's going to be tough for Neidert and this is going to be one of those games where if the Marlins lose 
you're kind of like, okay, you know, that that was a game where you were kind of, it's kind of almost a scheduled loss, in my opinion, when you look at it. That's more of a NBA type of thing when you hear, hear scheduled loss, but for the Marlins, this kind of seems like a scheduled loss, especially where you're getting your young pitcher making his second career start against a really good lineup, but you never know. It's baseball, and who knows how it can go. Looking ahead to game four of the series, though, tomorrow, that is going to be a blast. Trevor Rogers versus Ian Anderson. That's going to be a ton of fun to watch those two duel it out as two of the young, more exciting pitchers in the NL East. That is going to be a blast. And then ahead of that, you got Dan Castano making a start most likely against Logan Webb with the Giants and then back around to the top of the rotation with Sandy Alcantara against Disco, which should be a very favorable matchup for the Marlins against Anthony Discofani. So the Marlins... They are going to have their work cut out for them here to to take the series. They're in a great spot to take the first two, but Neidert versus Morton is advantage Braves, and Rodgers versus Anderson, as good as Rodgers has looked, you got to say that's advantage Braves just with what Anderson's done over the last 10 to 12 months, including the postseason. Just so good. One of the best pitchers in the game over the last 10 months or so. That's going to be advantage Braves, but I think that's one where you can look at it and say this might be a pitcher's duel, even though this is two good lineups right now. Uh, The Marlins, we'll, we'll see how the lineup looks today, but even though it's a... Better Marlins lineup, 19 runs over the last two games, and an elite lineup with the Braves. That could end up being a nice little pitcher's duel to close out the series, and it will be a lot of fun to watch. Though the Marlins do kind of know a little bit of what to expect with Anderson, too, as they've seen quite a bit of him, and they did beat him last year, uh, where that was one of his worst starts of the year, when the Marlins were able to knock him around a little bit, and he's a fastball changeup guy, too. He tunnels really, really well, so sometimes you can even have an idea that it's going to be one of the two pitches and still not be able to pick it up very well. But I think the Marlins could get to him a little bit as they did last year and they've seen him a lot. So that does work in their favor. And the Braves have not seen nearly as much of Trevor Rogers and they haven't seen 98 mile per hour throwing Trevor Rogers either. That should be a close one. And the Marlins could have a good chance to take the third or the fourth game to make it three out of four against the Braves, which would be a huge bonus after the start that they had to this season. As always, thank you for listening. I'm looking forward to wrapping up this Brave series, moving on to the Giants and then Baltimore and then the Giants again in what could end up being a pretty solid April for the Marlins. Don't give up the hope. There is some good things trending forward for this ball club. Thank you for listening, and I look forward to talking Marlins with you tomorrow.